0: one two three four the thing about this business is that everybody's job is to tell you no so at a very young age i realized that and i just had this attitude of like if i believed in a project you know you close the door i'll come in through the window (laughs) i mean (laughs) Honestly, I think most other producers would have given up on After a long time ago. I had people tell me, like, this book was popular four years ago. Nobody cares anymore.
1: Welcome back to the Well Now podcast. I'm your host, Savannah. So I actually really fangirled for today's guest. Jennifer is so impressive, and I've just been, I'm just like a huge pop culture, movies, entertainment scene fan. Um, I've always really loved it, and she's produced some of my all time favorite movies, which was really great. And today's episode, Jennifer and I talk about how she got into the industry, um, producing the, one of her first few films, She's All That, and then as well as going through career and some of the other movies she's produced, like Step Up, um, Cheaper by the Dozen, and we also go kind of in detail of the After series and how she brought that project to life and working with Anna and then as well as filming um, two movies during a pandemic like He's All That with TikTok star Addison Ray, as well as the last two movies of the After series um, and then we also talk about the importance of women in the industry and how she's actually mentored a lot of men which was interesting to hear. So I hope you enjoyed this episode this was a really fun and informative episode for me. I'm here with the incredible Jennifer Gibgott. Jennifer is an extremely talented and successful film producer and let me just name some of the few movies that she's produced and these are honestly some of my top favorite movies of all time. The Last Song, Hairspray, Seventeen Again, Rock of Ages, The Wedding Planner, Cheaper by the Dozen, She's All That, The Step Up Series, and The After Series. And I'm in awe with everything that she's done, and I'm really interested in the entertainment world as well as just the ins and outs of being a producer. So I thought Jennifer would offer some really great insight. So thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. So let's just get straight into it. So I know that your brother Adam Shankman and all my dance friends, they know him, and if you don't, he's a really successful film producer. Um, Did he ever influence you to get into the industry, or how did you make your mark inside of the whole entertainment world? So I, little known secret or even so much secret,
0: but I actually gave my brother his first job. I, yes, I was working. I graduated from Sarah Lawrence and I got a job working at a talent agency. And then as a development executive for these producers who are also director writers for Disney and through that, like worked my way up and got a job running a, a production company called Tapestry Films. And I was reading a lot of scripts and I sold this movie called The Wedding Planner. And my brother was a choreographer and he gotten into Sundance and he was looking to make the transition. Wow, I have this script and it's it reads almost like a 1940s screwball comedy because we used to watch those movies all the time. And I said, it has dance numbers in it. And I think you'd be perfect for it. And So I brought him in and he got the job. So uh, I produced his first movie and it was through that experience of working together that we launched our production company, Offspring.
1: Oh, that's really interesting. I had no idea that you actually gave him his first job. So I think I heard in another interview in college that your major was creative writing and your minor was in dance. So how did you learn to combine both of your passions in your work um, now with producing? Well, I
0: mean, absolutely, by making the Step Up series, that was, Mm -hmm. you know, one of the most fun, rewarding, you know, film series I've ever made, just because it combined two of my passions. Um, Definitely, you know, making musicals. We made both Hairspray and Rock of Ages together. You
1: know, and I've got more coming. That's awesome. Yes. And for people, let's just break it down like the basics for people that don't know. What is your role as a producer? Producers are actually the first ones in, really. We find the material,
0: whether it's a book, an article, an idea, a screenplay. We sell it to a studio who finances the movie or an independent financier. We hire the director, and alongside the director, we cast the movie. Um, that is after, you know, developing the scripts and everything to the point where whoever's financing it says, okay, I'm ready to go make this movie. Then the next step is finding a director, casting it, and then, um, being on set, you know, by the director's side to make sure that, you know, the author's vision or the studio's vision is getting conceived, uh, that we're staying on budget and sort of being the liaison between
1: the director and whoever's financing the movie. Very cool. Yeah. So you would say it's like definitely more on the the business side. So like, what are some of the everyday um, skills you think that someone needs to be a successful producer? Well, there's two
0: different kinds of producers. There's a creative producer and then there's a line producer and the line producer controls the budget and you know, the, the crew answers to them. I'm a creative producer. So my job is finding stories and that's mm-hmm. what I do. I spend a tremendous amount of time reading. I spend a tremendous amount of time uh, working with writers on screenplays and developing ideas. And then when a movie goes, then I have to go on location.
1: Right. Yeah. And I'd love to so chat a little bit about um, some of the films that you co-produced earlier on your career. And that's She's All That. That's, I think that's honestly my favorite film of all time. I absolutely Aww. love that film. You're going to love the the reboot then. Yes, I know. I know it's He's All That. So I wanted to ask, how was your experience with the original movie, um, She's All That, to now where you filmed um, during a pandemic with the remix? And some of the original cast as well. So do you mind touching upon your experience there?
0: I don't at all. Um, Yeah, so the She's All That was really the first movie that I ever produced. I actually came up with the idea for it based on the fact that I grew up on you know, all of these John Hughes movies and 16 Candles was one of my favorite movies growing up and Pretty in Pink. And, um, I felt like at that time I was in my, you know, mid twenties and I was like, God, there aren't enough of these movies coming out and getting made and Clueless, I believe had come out and gosh, I'm trying to think, but it just felt like the time was right for that. And, Oh, and then they started making a lot of teen thrillers, like I Know What You Did Last Summer and movies like that and Scream. Uh, I had this idea of like, why not take Pygmalion and update it and set it in high school, present day. uh, Brought the idea to Lee Fleming and we developed the script together and then sold it to Miramax. And yeah, that was super exciting. We we cast Freddie first and then we did a search for who the girl was going to be. And uh, Rachel went out over a lot of other young actresses at the time. Um, You know, we cast Paul Walker, which, I mean, when I look back on that cast, Gabby, you know, everybody, um, Matthew Willard, I mean... Usher, we had an amazing cast for a teen movies so and we only made that movie for $10 million. So wow. It, it was such a great experience. And Rachel's so lovely. And yeah, so she's playing Addison's mom in the in the reboot, but isn't playing Lady Boggs. She's just uh, you know, the idea was not to do a continuation, but to do a, a complete reimagining where we do it from the girls' perspective this time.
1: That's awesome, yeah. So Addison Ray starring in that, and how was it filming during like a pandemic? And how different was it from the original movie?
0: It was really challenging, really, really challenging. Because especially we shot it in L.A., and when the movie was green lit, the cases had gone down considerably, and we were all thinking that the city was was on the verge of reopening. Once, and so we started pre-production, and as we were prepping the movie, things started to get worse, and it was it was scary. You know, we, we all, though we were so safe, we, you know, the studio sent out a letter to everybody that basically said like, you know, please just put the movie first. So everybody was so responsible. We all were masked up all day, but none of us during production did anything other than go from set to home. And, you know, like I certainly wasn't going out or leaving my house on the weekends and We were, you know, I was joking because my partner and I were just, you know, those spray sanitizers all day. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but we made it, we made it through without any cases. So we were really lucky.
1: I'm so glad to hear that you guys were actually able to film that movie really safely. So I know that you produced all four movies of the after series, and I actually interviewed Anna Todd and Castiel Landon, the director of the last two movies on the podcast. And I absolutely love the after series and Anna's story. Um, she's created such a big community all over the world and it's really inspiring. So I'm just wondering, were you a fan of the books beforehand and how did you bring this project up into a movie?
0: So um, I had read after when, before it had even, just when it was still on Wattpad before she even signed the book deal. Um, so Anna was only 24, I think, when we met. I sold it to Paramount, was developing the script with them and right around that time, I had started an Instagram account and as I was developing the script, she had tagged me because Anna and I were spending time together when she would come to town. And all of a sudden, like all these young girls over, you know, the course of a few years started writing to me and DMing me and saying like, please make after, please make after. And I was obviously working on other things, developing other things, but I kept going to Paramount and saying, i I think there's a really big fan base around these books because these girls are writing me all from all over the world and if I don't get them made they're gonna hate me and also I love Anna so much and I love her story Mm -hmm. Um, I'm not even just talking about the story about her I'm talking about her personal story so I made her promise I said I'm gonna get these movies made and after four years and it certainly wasn't my executive at Paramount's fault because she really, really tried very hard to get the movies made, but they, there kept being these regime changes at Mm -hmm. Paramount. So finally, um, after four years, I just said, you know, you got to give them back to me. And so I made a deal uh, with Paramount that they would let me have the movies back if I made them only if I made them independently. So Mm -hmm. I had to go out and raise the money to make them independently. Um, I partnered up with this sales company called Voltage Pictures, who's a foreign sales company, and they, mm-hmm. they raised the money through foreign pre-sales. So, yeah, we, we made the first movie. And really, I believe, you know, it did very, very, very well overseas. I think when it really took off in the U.S. was when it appeared on Netflix mm-hmm. and a whole other audience found it. And so, you know, after the success of the first one, we started on after we collided, we had been... I had started to develop the script with Anna and actually my boyfriend. It was Anna, my boyfriend, who adapted it as soon as we wrapped the first movie. Because from being there every day and watching Hero and Joe's chemistry and and everything, I said, I think there's going to be a sequel. (laughs) I just had that feeling. So we started, the three of us started working on the script together. And uh, yeah, so when the movie came out, we were ready to go, which was why we were able to move so quickly and go into production on... The second one right away like voltage said okay great hire director let's go mm-hmm. and so that happened really fast and the same thing really happened once we wrapped the second movie um voltage said that we could start to work on the scripts for three and four.
1: Oh wow that's such a lovely story and i know that the after series has gone through a lot of changes whether that's due to covid and you had to change filming locations or do some recasting and whatnot so how have you navigated all of these changes and as you know the fan base for after is huge and kind of having those expectations and pressures on your back
0: I mean it it was honestly really challenging because what happened is they made the, the decision to shoot in Bulgaria for a number of reasons. One, you know, there was very few COVID cases there and they really wanted to be safe. And at the time when they were ready to greenlight like the movies, cases were pretty bad in, in Georgia, which is where we had shot one and two. So they made a decision based on safety and also three and four have New York as a location and London as a big location, and the stages at New Boyana have sets for London and New York. So it made mm-hmm. sense for a lot of different reasons. Um, so I think, you know, the only bummer is that some of the cast just didn't want to travel during the pandemic. Candace was pregnant, about to give birth. So uh, there was some recasting that had to happen as a result mm-hmm. of that, which. You know, was a bummer for sure because obviously we would have loved to use the same cast, but the movie looks the movies look great and Castile did an amazing job. So yes,
1: yes, I'm really really looking forward to that. Hi, I'm just popping in to say if you like this episode, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts. That helps other people find the podcast and subscribe, and as well as follow me on Instagram at podcast Now back to the interview. Backtracking when, like early on in your career, like in the early 2000s, where you produced some iconic films, Cheaper by the Dozen, The Pacifier, as well as um, The Last Song, and then Step Up. Did you ever experience imposter syndrome earlier on in your career, or were you always quite confident in your abilities? I
0: have no idea why I've always been super confident. I I, I don't know. I just, the thing is, is that I, this come this job comes very naturally to me and I love it so much I get excited every day to wake up and do what I do and that's always what I tell my kids is I say do what you love and the money will follow don't worry about you know how you're going to make a living just do what you love and that would be my advice for anybody graduating Mm -hmm. from high school or college um And every movie is different. So it never feels like the same experience. You know, you work with different people and there's some movies where they become like your family and you become so close others, maybe not as much, but, uh, when you have those experiences, it's incredible, you know, and you make friends. I mean, Anna's one of my best friends, like her husband and my boyfriend and I, we spend New Year's Eve together, not this year, the year, like the last two years in a row. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we go on trips together. Like she, she will be my friend for the rest of my life. So it's, it's amazing. And, and Hero and Joe are honestly like the loveliest people and I'm so happy for them that the movie's done well and they deserve every bit of recognition and opportunity that's going to come their way.
1: Yes, that's incredible. And do you have any other producers or mentors that you look up to?
0: Oh, gosh. You know, I've never really had a mentor. I mean, you know, it's so interesting because I hope this does not come off the right way, but I have actually mentored a lot of men. And what has been so rewarding to me as a woman is that, like, for example, my partner now started off, whose name is Andrew Pene, started off as my assistant. And he's so unbelievably successful. He has an advertising agency and we're working together now. But he always tells me like, Jennifer, you taught me everything that I know, which to me, that's the highest compliment in the world. I, and I actually was just speaking on the phone yesterday to my executive who worked for me for several years and he's like your voice is always in my head every time I'm on set telling me do this don't do that pay attention to this don't debate it and I've always wanted a mentor but I I don't know I think I just kind of like came out of the gate swinging and I don't know why I had the confidence that I did Mm. I just never had that voice in my head telling me no it's just a personality thing I guess
1: yeah, that's so refreshing, because I know it seems like in the entertainment industry, maybe it's changing, but it's obviously dominated by men. So it's so great to hear that you've never doubted yourself, because even for me, I experience imposter syndrome a lot, and I always think I'm not good enough, or I'll doubt my abilities, but I've kind of learned over the years is that you kind of just gotta fake it till you make it. I know a lot of people say that, but it it honestly works but it's really inspiring to see how accomplished you are and how successful you are and how many others that you've mentored. So yeah, it's, it's really admirable.
0: The thing about this business is that everybody's job is to tell you no. So at a very young age, I realized that. And I just had this attitude of like, if I believed in a project, you know, you close the door, I'll come in through the window. I mean, (laughs) honestly, I think most other producers would have given up on after a long time ago. And even when I got it out of Paramount and I went to go raise the money, um, I had people tell me, like, this book was popular four years ago. Nobody cares anymore. You know, nobody's going to care. This book had its sales. They looked at the data. You know, there's many reasons why the movie shouldn't have gotten made. But you just need one yes. That's the Mm -hmm. beauty of it. You need one yes.
1: That's incredible. And have you had any other moments of failure maybe? And how did you learn from them or how did you adapt from any of those moments in your career?
0: Oh God. I I mean, there's things obviously that I regret tremendously um, that I can look back on. Uh, For example, like way back when um, I had the opportunity, I was submitted pitch perfect and had the opportunity to produce it with Liz and Max and I I was going off to make Rock of Ages and so I you know, which was by the way, the most fun movie to make ever mm-hmm. and to be able to work with Tom Cruise and Julianne and, and Diego and everybody. We have the we had the best time, but you know, seeing then the final product of Pitch Perfect and what those movies became. I'm like, oh, (laughs) you can't Uh, do it all though, I guess. (laughs) No. And you, you've got to, life is about choices, right? You've got to make choices. So, you know, listen, you're going to make mistakes. Everybody does. Nobody's perfect And, and nobody can have a perfect batting average either. You know, some movies are going to work. Some aren't. Some are going to work better than others. And, you know, you learn from those
1: experiences. And what are some of your, like, all-time favorite movies that you produce? I see that you have Step Up, like, the poster back there behind you. Oh. Um, Absolutely love that. I think I heard an interview that uh, Channing Tatum, like, the main character wasn't actually supposed to be a dancer. He was supposed to be a musician, right? (laughs) Yeah.
0: I I was laughing because I was also going to say, but I also have this. um, I have – people can't see, but I have, like – some of my posters and stuff oh wow that's lovely yeah yeah channing's character originally was a musician in the Mm -hmm. movie before i got my hands on it and then when i started to develop it with eric who ran summit at the time i was like this should just be a dance movie let's make hip-hop footloose okay (laughs) so we made him a dancer
1: So what are some of your favorite ones that you've produced? Gosh,
0: I mean, that I'm most proud of or that I had the most fun making, that I'm most proud of. I would say, I would say Hairspray, 17 Again, The First Step Up, even though I love, I love the whole series. um, Mm -hmm. And that was just like, that holds a special place in my heart. And especially too, because Anne Fletcher is a very dear friend who directed it. You know what? And one of the most rewarding things, and after, of course, (laughs) Mm -hmm. um, one of the most rewarding things is I've worked with a lot of female directors. And I would say if there's something that I'm most proud of just in my career, it's giving so many other women an opportunity. And I did it like before the whole Me Too movement, (laughs) you know, Mm -hmm. and Anne Fletcher, Nanette Burstein, Trish C., um, obviously Jenny and Castile. I've worked with a ton of female directors and that feels incredibly rewarding.
1: That's incredible. Um, so I'm wondering, I know you said by day by day, you do a lot of reading, but what is your day-to-day look like when you're not on set and like when a movie's been produced? And also what do you look for, um, when you're looking for like a script?
0: Uh, I spend my days reading a ton on Zooms with studio executives and uh, writers working on projects, reading articles that could be movie ideas, returning emails, returning text messages. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, And right now I'm in post-production on the three movies. So pretty soon that will be virtually editing, you know, the movie, although I've already started some of that. Um, and what I look for, in all honesty, is I look for commercial viability, one, because it's so much work to make a film and I I would hate to just spend that much amount of time working on something that nobody ever saw <laughs> and that never saw the light of day. I also just look for stories that move me have a positive message, something positive to put out into the world, um, especially in these times, Uh, true life, inspirational stories, or stories of like, you know, even after at its core is a story about an alcoholic who gets saved by love, you know, Mm -hmm. and I have a lot of people near and dear to me who are in recovery and, so the story actually really struck a chord with me. People don't realize really what after. I mean, the readers do, but yes. people in the outside world don't really realize what after, in its essence, is about.
1: Yes, and and the books are obviously they're so they're so long actually, and it's hard to mm-hmm. condense everything into into a movie. Mm-hmm. So kudos for you guys for really like keeping you know keeping the books' essence and keeping true um, mm-hmm. to Anna's story, which is awesome. And I was, and I'm just wondering what are your future like aspirations and goals as a producer? Like, what are some other things that you'd love to check off on your um, career on um, like bucket list, I guess?
0: Wow. I mean,
1: I, I mean, guess you've already accomplished so much, but. Oh, you're
0: super <laughs> sweet. I mean, I guess, you know. Everybody wants to make that sort of like award movie because I'm, I'm somebody who makes, I make commercial movies, but they're not necessarily you know criti- critically acclaimed movies. I mean, they're, they're usually have a really high audience score and a not so great critic score because that's just not the kind of movies that I make. But would it be great to make one of those one day? Absolutely, for sure. Um, and here's the weird thing is I actually have a few that I'm developing, but those are the hardest to get made in all honesty. Right. There's something that I have right now though, that's based on a true story that I'm working on. I can't really talk about it, but if that gets made, that will be the most gratifying movie of my career. Cause it's just wow. such a beautiful inspirational story for women in particular.
1: Wow. I'm, I'm looking forward to that. And I just have one last question. Do you have any advice or recommendations for someone that's wanting to get into the entertainment industry if they want to be a producer? Where should they start?
0: I mean, they, they need to just know the hours are really long. You've got to mm-hmm. love it. You've got to be willing to sort of give your life over to it, particularly in the beginning. My advice for people that I always give is if you think that you want to be a director, start by assisting a director. If you think you want to be a producer, be a producer's assistant, be an editor's assistant. The only way to truly know what this job is, is to actually assist that person and figure it out. Like my assistant on He's All That had just graduated from film school and She's like, after working on the movie with me, going, you know, set with me, she's like, I really knew nothing about making movies until this experience. <laughs> like there's, you can't replace school with the actual experience of doing it because how are you actually going to know what that job is,
1: you know? Yeah, that's that's excellent advice. And I just want to thank you again for coming on, taking the time to chat with me. I've learned so much and I've always been a really big fan of your work. Um, yeah, like as, as I said in the beginning, your movies are some of my all-time favorite movies ever. So thank you so much again. I really appreciate your time.
0: Thanks. Absolutely. Have a great day.
1: And that was Jennifer Gibgott. Thanks so much for listening. If you like this episode, please subscribe leave a review on Apple Podcast and follow me on Instagram at Podcast. And let me know if you've seen any of the movies that Jennifer's produced. I'd be curious to see. So thanks for listening and I'll see you next week.